Okay, Dafnam test. Remember the sugya of how you evaluate Ketzet Shaminon. So we said yesterday that according to the Shittas and the Gemara, it's a three-step process. First of all, you make, uh, instead of saying that you pay for the value of the absolute fruits that you ate, you evaluate the fruits, Agav de Karka. We learned that from Wabir Bistei Acher. And then the Gemara said, even when it comes to that, it's still not just a piece of land that it's actually physically on. That might be too big, it might be too small, it might be better for the Mazik, it might be better for the Nizik. Rather, we do it based on Shisha, which Rashi said means also two stages. First of all, we evaluate, the, according to the first sheet in the Gemara, we evaluate the crops according to a saw, but how much is a saw worth? To evaluate a saw, you don't take it by itself because it, it is not going to give you a fair valuation based on the ability to sell a saw in the marketplace. is not, is not a good, going to give you a good valuation. Rather, you take 60 saw, how much is 60 saw, which is an average size field, you evaluate that, divide it by 60, that gives you value of the saw, and then you take a saw with or without the crops that were taken from it, and that gives you the amount of hezek. The other sheet in the world said you do it on Tarkov, which is going to be half of 30, 60 saw, 30 saw. Chizkiya said you just do it based on 60 in general. doesn't make a difference if it's a saw or not, but 60 times the amount of field that we're discussing, and that's how you figure it out. But everybody's doing it based on 60. The Gemara then said, at the end of the Sugi yesterday, Rav Nachman brought a Chiddush that not only does this apply when you have Hezek of a Behema, this also applies when you have Hezek of an Adam as well. Even when a person does Hezek, this applies. Rav and Rabbi debated it, and they said, Lamaisa, even though we don't see that anywhere beferish that you do it this way, but in most of the Brises that talk about Hezek of a Behema, it also doesn't talk about Shishim. It's just an assumption that you've learned here, Daphnun Ches and Daphnun Tes, and you know how to evaluate it. And therefore, the fact that the Brises never discuss it by an Adam doesn't doesn't mean anything. Rav Nachman takes his double pasha that yes, you do go ahead and evaluate based on that. Derek Agav, we brought another nekuda, and this is what we're going to focus on at the beginning of the psugya today, which is when you damage something or an animal, animal damage something for sure that is not worth much now, but has the potential to be worth something in the future. For instance, crops, which right now. And we can we talk about different types of crops. We could talk about wheat. We could talk about barley. We could talk about grapes, etc. We damage those things. How do we look at it? Do we look at it as it is now, which is not worth much? Again, then you have agav the karka and agav the karka, agav shishim, etc. Or do we say no? We look at it as its future value. And that was brought as the deck of agav because over there we never really talked about shishim. Moses said, "Don't worry about it. We mean shishim." So now we're going to focus on that machlekes. Do we evaluate it based on now or based on later? There are two ways to learn this point, and I just want to stress it now before we get into the sugya. On the bottom, we brought Rabbi Yisrael Glili. Rabbi Yisrael Glili said by Chaziz, okay, we start from the bottom line in Chesmon Beis, just to Chazer it over. We'll do it outside, we're not going to do it inside. Over there, we're talking about Chaziz, grass that's growing, so right now it's not very tall. Later on, it will be worth more. How do we evaluate it? Rabbi Yisrael Glili said, Nidon b'meshuyer shabai, which means that you evaluated Agav the Karka, but you wait to see how much all the rest of that grass will be worth later on, or how much the effect it'll have, and then you could figure out what this grass that was destroyed is going to be worth. So it's based on what the remainder is there, how much that's going to be worth. Chavim said, no, based on what it is now. That's by grass. On top, we talked about smother. Smother are the smallest types, the first little bit of when a grape grows. Tiny little green dots, if you've ever seen them growing on a geffen. Tiny little green dots, it's called smother. Over here, Yeshua says a slightly different nusach, and that's why I'm stressing this. Yeshua, He doesn't say, like Yeshua said, that you wait till the rest of the grapes grow, and then you evaluate. He says you evaluate them now as if they are full grapes. Rashi explains... 
in a very short way that Rashi normally does, that what Rabbi Shua here means is something different than Rabbi Yishi. Rabbi Shua here means is that you consider them as fully ripened grapes, and if you remember in the Mishnah, and we'll see it here on our base, Rabbi Shimon said by fully ripened grapes, we don't evaluate it based on the karka at all. The only time we said this whole business that you evaluate Obi over Steacher, that we consider it as if you damage the land, and then we figure out how much the land is worth, that's all by things which still need the land. Things which are already fully ripened, Rabbi Shimon said, and we'll see it on the base, you don't tell your karka. Someone has an actual bag of apples, you destroy the apples, you pay for the apples. There's no karka there to evaluate it against. Says Rabbi Yeshua, things that are similar to that, that are, even though they're attached to the ground, even though they didn't fully ripen at all, he's being more machmer, or mekel, how you want to look at it, than Rabbi Shimon. And saying, since they will eventually ripen, something that will eventually grow into something that, that will be not need the ground, already at this stage, once it's smothered, we do not consider it attached to the ground anymore, and we look at it as oindisli botzer. Tyson is a different shot in this. Yesterday, I think I explained it more like Tesis. I just want to stress this to Rashi because it's going to help us explain the rest of the Sugya. And the same thing would be Shimon over here. says, Shimon, you do it, Shimon, Shimon. That's when you do Lule Gafanim. That's when you do Agav Karka. Avalacha Pagim Oibaiser, which are later stages of grapes. There, Shimon, you also says, we don't look at it as attached to the ground at all. Rather, we look at it as something that will be fully ripened, even though right now it's not. But since it has the potential to be, therefore we don't do this Agav the Karka at all. So I just wanted to stress that secondary point in the Machlaikis. Why is this no gas? Let's see it now. Continue from the dot. About ten lines down. Amr Abaya. This Rabbi Yisrael who we brought, who says, you evaluate it based on what its potential is. Rabbi Yisrael was talking about chazes. He wasn't about something that's uh, like Yeshua did, but the same concept that you evaluate it based on its later potential. That sounds the same as Rabbi Yisrael. What are these two shitas? We already said by Chaziz, what it will be worth later, that's how we evaluate it now. Interesting, Bryce. Bryce, we've brought many times. You're supposed to pay the best. So we darshan. Bishmal says, the best fields of the Nizik. It's not telling you how much you pay, it's telling you what quality of crop, what quality of field you have to pay back. Because so you had earlier in the Masechta, you pay from idiots and vedas, etc. Idiots and for sure by hektish. Now, our problem was we were stuck in pshat Rabbi Shmuel. What does Rabbi Shmuel mean that you pay the best stuff of the of the nizik? Of course, you pay the best stuff of the nizik. Whatever you damage is what you pay. Now, our sugya we came out later on, earlier in the Masechta, that the Pshat Rabbi Shmuel was, that depends if, if the Nizik of the Idias was worth the best of the Mazik, etc., all that, all that stuff. But here was the more different Pshat. V'loi temek Ravidi Baravin. Ravidi Baravin had attempted to explain Rabbi Shmuel and say, We're talking about a case where you damaged one row of crops. You weren't sure if they were worth a lot or worth a little. That the Pasuk is telling you that you pay the best, even though it's a suffix. So said that we already rejected this back early in the Masechta because the same point because my time obviously if I don't know how much I damage of you and you can't prove that I damaged a hundred shekel I'm going to pay the lower amount so we rejected early in the Masechta we said a different shot like I said based on whether the Mazik and the Nizik had different quality fields available here we're going to say a new Pshat in Rabbi Shmuel. Eli, you know what it means? Bemetav that Rabbi Shmuel was talking about? Dilekame. When it says that Rabbi Shmuel says, you pay metav so nizik, it means not what the crops are worth now. Rather, what the crops are going to be worth later on. My 
how it's going to be when you eventually ripen or when you're going to eventually pick them. And that's what metav means. Metav means you look at their potential. You don't look at what they're worth now. So we have another shita in the Brisa that seems like Rabbi Yaisi and everybody else have been saying here that you look at later, not now. The, the, the problem I have with that is that if, the, if, there's a lot of, if there's a lot of stuff on the market, automatically the price goes down. But you don't know that because you don't know what the consumer will be. You, know, so you have to wait. We're talking about when you have to wait. You wait. You don't do it now. You wait. Rabbi said a fairish. Rabbi said you wait. You have to wait to see. Rabbi even said more than that. Rabbi said that if the crops get ruined later on by a disease, you don't have to pay. Because Lamaisa turned out that the crops were going to be ruined anyways. Rabbi Yeshua, when he talked about smother, didn't mention that point. Taisus Medayak, that Nekudav. Rashi learns that slightly different like we just said. Amar Now let's get into that other point. Amar Bishim Yehuda, Amar Bishim Yehuda, Medvam Murim, that you would do it Agav the Karka, Sha'achol Le'gefanav Yechorei Te'enim. If you eat these earlier stage of the of the leaves, or the Yechorei Te'enim are the small little Te'enim. Ha'smother. Now wait a second. If you look carefully, the Tanakam over here, Rabbi Yeshua was talking about smother, which was a small, the smallest type of grapes. When Rabbi Yeshim and Yehuda responded, he said, I agree that you do it. I have karka by lulul ve'gefanim and yuchoritainim. But pagim and baiser, which is our later stage grapes, that he said you do nagan agav the karka, but rather based on its own value. He did not talk about smother. He talked about pagim and baiser, which are later stages grapes. What does he hold by smother? So this is where I was being medayik here in Shemiyuda. He said, "By lula gefanim yichoritainim, you do it agav karka, mashma grapes, any stage grapes like a smother, roinas ekilan of them in the baitzer. Grapes would be something that grows and won't need the kind like a fruit, and therefore you do it separate." And it's already considered grown enough. In other words, he seems to be differentiating between the stage of smother and the stage of yichuritainim. The yichuritainim is a much earlier stage, therefore it's really not considered having grown at all. Okay. But Ema Seifa. Then he says, Achla Pagama Vaisa, which are a later stage of grapes, Duraina Sekila Navamali Batsar, Mashmaha Smother, that earlier stage of grapes, Raina Sekama Yafa Kama Isiyafa, that you do do Agav the Karka. So, what is the halach of smother? He seems to be a steering air bay. You read it as follows. You put it together. It's not two separate halachas from Hashem. It's one halacha. And even though he didn't say it, he means grapes in general and the smother stage or the pagan stage or the barister stage. All grapes, as soon as they reach that earlier stage at least, and for sure in the later stages, you consider it separate from the ground already and now you evaluate it based on what it's going to be totally worth on its own. Okay. So what are they arguing about? Look back at the price on top. By smother, and adds on pagim boiser, but he's also talking about smother. So by smother grapes, they both agree you evaluate it based on what it will be worth later on. So what's the machlekes between Yeshua and Rishim Yehuda? is going to add on something. What's he adding? So what Tzemar says an amazing pshat. If you know anything about grapevines and vineyards, so the, the nature of these things are is that the better the grapes are, the more it weakens the actual, the actual tree, the actual vine every year. So if you have very strong vines, you can get really good grapes, then it could be the next year you won't get such strong ones. You have to put fertilizer, etc. So it says the an interesting point. If I go over to your field and I cut off the grapes before they're finished growing at the smother stages, it's really, really early, 
yes, I've damaged you, and yes, you, 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 I owe you money because according to this pshat, I've, I've actually taken grapes because the potential of grapes is grapes and I have to pay them. But Lamaisa, your vineyard did not weaken over this year. So I, you've actually gained something in some strange way by me destroying these grapes. Do I get to deduct that amount for the amount of grapes that I paid you. So I'm supposed to pay you, based, based on this, you know, 200 shekel worth of grapes that I destroyed. Mm-hmm. But Lamaisa, there's, you know, 20 shekel less of fertilizer you need to use next year. So maybe I only have to pay you 180. Do I deduct the cash of that which it did not weaken from the amount that the Mazak has to pay to the Nizik? But the problem is, we don't know which sheet this says. I know if Yeshua and Yeshua and Yudah are saying the same sheet, though. They must be arguing on, do we deduct this amount or not? But it's not clear to us. Neither one of them mentions anything about this. Therefore, I don't know which one says you do deduct, and which one says you don't deduct. They must be arguing about that, because there's nothing else for them to argue about, but I don't know who says which sheet. I can prove to you which one holds which. Which time do we ever see anywhere else that worries about deducting something that the Nizik might end up being saved from? He says this. Where is this? He said, if a man is, is Ma'anis, a woman, so you know, besides whatever the Knasi pays, he can ask to pay any Hezek that he caused her. Does he have to pay her Tsar? Because the tsar, if a woman was a besula, a narab besula, if she's a besula, the first time she has a maizabi, it causes tsar. Does he have to pay her that tsar? Is that called tsar that he has to pay? Says the Mishim he doesn't have to pay that tsar. Why? The shesheifel it's tsar tachas vayla. We're talking about she's Marissa. She's going to be married eventually to have Nisuin. And her husband, whoever that is, eventually is going to do that for my first Maisabiya. That Tsar she's going to have anyways. You can discuss whether it be the same Tsar, whether it's forced or not, but Tsar she's definitely going to have. Says of Shimi you don't have to pay Tsar. Because anything that she's gonna have in the future, and now you're saving her from in some bizarre way, that is actually negated, deducted from what you have to pay. So you see, he takes into account the future. doesn't just look at it based on now. Here also by Kashkufna, he would say the same point. Since I'm saving you from having to put extra fertilizer on your crops later on, therefore you get to deduct that now. Amrulai, they said to him, Ain't a diamond of Elspiros and Elspinus. They said that's not true, because there the, is more tsar when it's a rape than when it is a willing Maisabia. So that's a debatable point, but, every, but you're taking into account the future. Amrabai, I'll prove to you another Tana says this. Hanitanoi, there's another Tana that says the same point, that you take into account this future business. The Bshimi Yudah, we already said, Adamran, Hanitanoi, Mahi, Desanim, Yaisuyaimer, Nechi, Chaya. He says also an amazing thing, it sounds cruel, but he says if a man punches the woman and she loses the baby, will you pay to make Vladis? Okay? Yes, I owe you the amount, I owe to have to pay to the husband the amount of the vladis. But Lamai said, now that husband doesn't have to pay for the doctor bills when the woman goes to the hospital to give birth. I saved him from the taxi, and I saved him from the hospital bills. So I get to deduct that from the Dmei vladis. And Benazir, I'm in You know what a woman eats in the ninth month? That all that food that the husband doesn't have to buy her in the ninth month, I've saved him from that food, I get to deduct that. Yes, it sounds cruel, but Lamaisa, it's a deduction. He's not saying you don't pay the Mayfla this. He's just saying you make a cheshman, you take these things into consideration. So you see also another Tana, which takes these future considerations as part of deductions. Tell me, what are these two points, the doctor bills versus the food? If you say you don't have to pay the doctor bills, 
then for sure, you also, de- I mean, you deduct the, doc- the saved doctor bills, you also deduct the saved food. But the Mazinus, you deduct that Mazinus says, he says, does that mean you get to deduct the doctor bills? My wife is very strong, she's very smart, she can give birth at home, she can do a home birth. Therefore, what if I had to go to the hospital, and therefore, if I, have to, I wouldn't have to go to the hospital, you can't tell me you saved me that money. Okay, so that's a debatable point, but you see all these Tanoyim, Take into consideration this concept of saved money from the Hesek. It's not clear like how far this goes. Right? If I damage your animal, if I kill your animal, oh, well, you didn't have to feed it supper tomorrow night, so you saved money. It doesn't seem you take that into consideration. And the first should explain because once over here in this whole sugya, we're talking about damaging fruits or potential fruits that are going to grow. We're looking at the potential of the fruit. Then we can take these things into consideration. To make blood, this is always going to be that. But by an animal, we don't say by an animal, if you, do, if you kill a small animal, you have to pay for the big animal. We don't say this is a thing like that. By animals, it doesn't work that way. By animals, we say, the animal is useful the way it is now. Whatever you killed, you killed. And once we don't take into consideration the future, then we don't have to worry about these things. But here, where we are taking into consideration the future, there is a sad to say that you also take into consideration deductions that would come from that. And, and, why, and why is that? Why don't we take for, for an animal? Because the animal by itself right now is an animal. It's a useful animal right now. I don't know. If it's a small sheep, you can't... Okay, it depends. Maybe you could debate if it's really... Uh, maybe you could debate if it's really, really small. But in general, an animal is an animal. We don't differentiate between bigger and smaller. Like we said, there might be before Harisha, after Harisha. But it seems to me we don't take that into consideration all we consider an animal. That seems to be the swar. You can argue with me about it, but that seems to be the swar. I understand. There's a difference between them. I'm just saying, it seems to me that's the swar. Rav Papa Rav Hunabed Yeshua, Avad Uvda, they paskin Kerav Nachman. That even by a human being does Mahezik, they paskin like Rav Nachman, that you don't evaluate the fruits based on, the, on themselves, you're based on the field and based on Bishisha. Lishnachmina, another version of the story. Rav Papa Rav Hunabed Yeshua, Samu Dikla Agav Ketina Da'ara. They also, someone damaged a, a tree and they did it based on a piece of land. Again, Mashma, it's going to be Shishim, the same point. When it's a small tree or an inexpensive tree, then yes, you do it. Agav Karka, Shishim, etc. But remember, Eshkelusha had the story yesterday where they cut down one tree. Here we have a new Chiddush. If it's a very expensive tree, some kind of fancy tree, which maybe, I don't know, gives mahogany wood or whatever it is, then you consider it a standalone item. Rashi says over here, Mashma, in this case, you don't even do it agav karka, you don't do it agav shishim, you don't do it agav anything. This would be like something very fancy that has its own evaluation, and then in that case, Erechanami, you would do a separate evaluation, not based on anything else, not based on steyach. And boys and grapes is always out of 60, though? Yes, yes. It's Agav Karka and then Agav 60. Well, by, we had a Machlaikis. We have to see how we paskin in Shimon in a second. But it's Mashwa, we'll see in a second. It's Mashwa, we paskin of Shimon only when they're fully grown, not when it's smothered, like Yeshua said. Although, you have to see how we paskin. Eliezer Zira, nice story. Eliezer Zira, maybe not a nice story. He was walking in the streets and he was wearing black shoes. Black shoes are a semen of Avelos in those days. Generally, they wore lighter color shoes. So a person who was wearing black shoes was a simon of Avelis. 
Uh, he wasn't a novel. Why is he wearing black shoes? The koi b'shuka denarda. He was in the shuka denarda and bavel wearing black shoes. Ashkhinu the beish kalusa. So the police of the beish kalusa found him. Sounds suspicious. Why is he wearing black shoes? What's he up to? Why are you wearing black shoes? Samalut to come a vilna the yushalayim. Oh, I'm so sad about yushalayim and yushalayim is the idea of aliyah laregel and to be misabel on the aliyah laregel. He was wearing these black shoes. So I'm like, at chashiva sabu yushalayim. Balgaiv over here. Think you walk around you know, making a veil of Yerushalayim and saying, Tikkun Chatzais, who do you think you are? Savri Yurahavit. They thought he was a Balgaiva. Asyu Vichavshua. They arrested him. They arrested him for being Misabo on Yerushalayim. Amaluhu. He said to them, Gavrabana. I said, Whoa, whoa, I'm not just a regular person. I mean, you know, I'm a Tamil Chacham. I, I say Shir in the base of Medish. And therefore, I, I, I'm maybe on that Adrega to be Misabo on Yerushalayim. Amaluhu. Minoya Dina. Prove to us that you're a Tamil Chacham. Samalu, no problem. Which would you like? Oh, I'm going to ask you a question, or you ask me a question. Either I'll stump you, or you can try to ask me a question and see if you can stump me. What, what would you like? Let's, let's do this test. Okay, you ask a question, and let's see if you can come up with a good question that would stump us. And now we have a very interesting svara of something we've been learning about for the last two days. Haiman the cuts kufra. If you cut off these, uh, these, uh, <coughs> these, t- tomorrow, Rashi says. Tomorrow, we're a baiser tomorrow. Very small tomorrow from a date from a tree. So, my Misham, how do you evaluate how much you pay? So, I'm going to to make kufra. What do you mean? You pay how much a small little date is worth. So, he said to them, Vavi Tamri. But what about the potential that this date, this tiny little date, will become a bigger date later on? And therefore, why are you only paying the small value of it now, the lower value? You should pay a higher value based on what it's going to be later. So they said, okay, you're right. You're right. Maybe you should actually pay, like Yeshua said, like Yeshua clearly said, that you pay the higher value of a full date and a standalone date. So I'm a luhu, v'alav he said, but that doesn't fare either. You didn't steal it. You didn't, you didn't cut off a tamar. You talk, cut off a small one. You cut off the kufra. So they were stuck. Hmm, you're right. You can't pay the little one because there's potential for a big one. You can't pay the big one. You didn't destroy a big one. What do you do? Okay, you got us. You're a tamachachum. What's pshat? This is the whole pshat in the shishim business, says the Gemara. The pshat in the shishim business is, as Rashi says it over here, look at Rashi, b'shishim, third line down from the top, ima karka, the hakol b'chlal. You do it with the karka. Shakoina karka b'peraser, noisen in of ktsas b'shvach shal acher zman. The whole idea of the shishim, basically he said, no, once it's already a grape, then we look at it as later on, it's a separate thing, you pay its fell full value. Says the one, no, no, the whole pshat and shishim that we were arguing about that is the opposite. Shishim means you do it out of the karka, and then the karka already take the value of the karka takes into consideration the future value. When you invest in land, you don't pay what it's worth now, you pay what I see in the land. Okay, this land will turn into something later on. So he says, that's the whole shot. To pay actual value of dates, you can't. Because the value of now is not enough. The value of later is too much. There's a risk. The value of the karka represents that risk-based value. And that's the whole shot and shisha we've been saying. This is finally a logical shot that everything we've been saying for the last time. Very beautiful shot. They said, okay, that's a nice pshat, but did you make it up? Right? Do you have, a, do you have a, some kind of a star from a, you know, a gadol adar, a rabbi, that says that, you're, that you know a good pshat? He says, yeah, I do. Shmuel is still alive, and his bezdin is alive. Right? Go ask Shmuel. 
they left him alone. That obviously he was a Tamil Chacham, and therefore he came to the Sabal and Yushalayim the way he wants. But the mice, we see now a Svara and what this idea of Shishim is. Now getting back to the mission, the mission of the Abura Shit is of Shimon, which according to what we're saying now is different than Rabbi Yeshua. Rabbi Yeshua said even the smother you consider based on the future. Rabbi Shimon said only if it's actually ripened grapes, then we, even if they're still attached to the ground, we consider it based on the future. Says the Gemara, my time, Hamarach, 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 Mana, Ubir, Beste, Acher, Velam, Den, She, Nishaman, Algava, Soda. You don't do it standalone. Says the Gemara, no, Hani, Mili, Mili, the Tzarech, Lasoda. Something which already, which still needs the ground to nourish, then you do it, Agav, the Karka. Hani, even like Tzrich, Lasoda, once they're fully ripened, Veinai, Balashumi, then you do pay the full value. Now, this is not like a Rishu and a Rishu. You're arguing here and saying, even if they still need the ground, but they eventually will not need the ground, then we would look at, you know, that they're big enough that we consider it a fruit, then we already go to that stage. But if Shimon says, not like that, once it's fully ripened, then it has a standalone value. How are we paskin? Don Rav Kriv Meir. Rav had a halacha lamaisa case. We paskin like something of Meir said. And he also paskin stam that we paskin like Rav Shimon in our Mishnah. What's this halacha of Meir? Something we had in the Gemara in Ksubas. Don Rav Kriv Meir. Desanyam. If a woman has a ksuba, so normally when a woman has a ksuba, just take us back to ksubas for a few minutes. When a woman has a ksuba, so she ha- normally the husband sets aside a piece of land that is mashuba to the ksuba. And that piece of land, he's not supposed to sell it. It's supposed to remain forever, so that way if he ever dies to get divorced, she could collect her ksuba from that piece of land. Okay, what if he's desperate for money? He wants to sell the piece of land. So he goes to his wife, says, I've negotiated a deal to sell this field to Shimon, but I need you to sign on it. I need you to okay the deal. Okay, so she says, no, not signing on it. He goes through with the deal. We cancel the deal because that field is not really his to sell. Okay, then he tries again. Two weeks later, he comes back to says, I'm really stuck for money. Shimon, I didn't do the deal with. I'm going to try to sell it to Levy. Will you agree to let me sell it to Levy so we can have cash? And she agrees to. Okay, so she refuses to agree. Once she signed on the second one, that's it, she lost the ksuba. By agreeing to that sale, she's given her for ksuba. She says, no. The only reason I signed this is because he was desperate. I didn't really want to give up my right to my ksuba on this piece of land. And you see that from the fact that I didn't sign on the first guy. The fact that I didn't sign when he tried to send it to Shimon, sell it to Shimon, means I really did not want to sell it. He forced me, so I signed it off with a lady, but I really didn't mean it, and therefore she could undo the deal and take the field back. What do you have any time to me? So this is Machlaik Shemir and And therefore, in this case, Rav Paskin like her mayor. He Paskin like her mayor that if she signs, she loses her schus. And in our Gemara, Paskin like her Shimon. That when it's fully ripened fruits, then we talk a Shimon that you don't evaluate them based on the karka, you evaluate them based on the actual value. But mashma, if the earlier stage fruits, then we still would evaluate them based on the karka, not like those other shitas we had so. Says the Mishnah. Sounds like I have crops in my field, and I'm trying to harvest my field. There's no room in my field to pile them up, so I put my piles in your field. You're, you have a field next door to me, and I put my piles in your field without your permission. Obviously, if your animal comes and then eats my piles that are in your field, we had this more earlier. Of course, you are not going to be high to pay because I put them in your field. If your animal gets sick. 
So Bala Now we had Rav who said it's not talking about when he got sick. Rav said Huskaver means your animal, your animal tripped on them. If your animal ate them, then I would not be Chayev because who says the animal is supposed to eat and shouldn't have eaten. So we had a Machlaikis over there what the nature of the Hezek is. If you told me I'm allowed to put piles into your field, then Bala Sada is going to be Chayev. Then obviously whatever happens over there is not my problem. It's the owner of the field who gave me permission to put it in. Now wait a second. We had a whole machlekes about this point. We had a machlekes about the point when I let you put your pot, your 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 kedarim, or I let you put your food, or I let you put your animals in my field. What is the nature of when I said yes? What did I mean? Did I say yes? Uh, you could put it in my field, and I take responsibility. Or do I say yes means you could do it, but you're still responsible? We had a machlekes about this before. Our mishnah is mashma. Once you say yes, you're chayiv. Says the Gemara, Lema Tananda like a Rebbe. This is not like we had earlier, Rebbe. Dika Rebbe, Armor Achi Kabbalah Balabai's Lishma. Rebbe said, Yes does not mean I accept responsibility. Yes just means I let you do it, but I'm not accepting responsibility. Our mission seems to be saying that by saying yes, you automatically are accepting responsibility. It's not like Rebbe. Amar of Papa, no. Here we're talking about a special case. Hacha Benotter Beidari Rashi explains that in those days they used to have. A, one field in every area, every bika, every area where they had fields, one field was set aside for people to pile up their stuff in. And there was a shamer hired in his field, usually it was his field, his job was to watch all their piles that were put into his field. That was his job. Now, you had to ask him to put the stuff in, you couldn't just do it without his permission, but if you asked him to put it in, by definition what he's saying is, I'm going to watch it for you, because that was his job in the whole area of this fields was to protect them. Rashi says, Shemer Hagronis, that was his job. This Beidari, Askinan. The Chivin the Amalei, Ayel says the Gemara, once he says, put it in, Ayel Ve'antolachu, obviously clearly in that case he means, put it in the field and I will protect it for you, and therefore this case is not a machlaik, because Rebbe would agree. Let's start the mission. This is the Gemara we had earlier in the Masechta, way back when, a bunch of times. So when you send a fire, so you lit a fire, we'll see exactly the Gemara, what kind of fire you lit, and you lit a fire and you gave it to a Cheresh and it goes and does damage, you're going to be potter. Right? You are not responsible for anything that Cheresh HaTvakotten did. You kept him a mana shliach as a Cheresh There's nothing to discuss. Cheresh does what he does on his own. There's nothing to do with you. The Nizik cannot collect from the Cheresh either. So the Nizik is in trouble over here, but you who lit the fire are not responsible. Of course, you're going to be you are as you said, this is one of those cases where you should take responsibility, the Torah does not want you to do this, and you should pay if you could pay, but you're not If you give it to a healthy person, so then and this is what the Gemara learns out, right? I can't make you a Shliach, and then you blame me. If I give you a fire, it's your problem, not my problem. Okay? So, by a there's no shlicha. So, in either, either case, the mishaleach is potter. In the ratio of the mishaleach is potter, even though there's no shlicha, it's because the cheshetrakotin's problem. In this case, the mishaleach is potter because it's the pikach's problem. Either way, the mishaleach, who would lit the fire to begin with, is potter. Echad heviyas or one guy brings fire, matches. Echad heviyas eitzim, one guy brings the, 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 the wood that's going to light. So if I put a fire down here, but there's no kindle around it, I light a little fire, and it's going to burn out in two seconds. You come and you put a bunch of wood on it, a lighter fluid or whatever. So since you came second, you're going to be the responsible party now. If the fire lights up now and then spreads by Ruach Matsuya, you who came second now are going to be responsible for what happens to that fire. 
What about the opposite? You come and put down the wood first, and then I come with my fire and put the fire down on the wood. Then I'm maybe a sarchayv. Then the second person, again, the second person who is now the responsible party here is the responsible party, and therefore the second person in this case brought the fire. He's going to be chayv. What about if we have the wood, we have the fire, but it's not going to catch? And someone else comes and makes a catch. We'll see how you make a catch in tomorrow. But someone else makes a catch, blows a little wind on it, whatever it is. Now we have a third person who can be chayv. Not the bala wood, not the bala fire, but the person who comes with whatever it is that gets it going. Maybe in our vernacular it would be a lighter fluid or something like that. But someone who gets the fire going. Libsa haruach. What about if the wind blows and gets it all going? Then kulan patur. Now that's a very strange halacha. There's two ways to learn this halacha. Taisa says either we can learn libsa ruach here means ruach she'ena matsuya, then it's a wind that you did not expect a very strong wind, and therefore everybody's potter. Or Taisa is a chiddush. It could be we're talking about a ruach matsuya. That which we normally say when you have a fire and it blows baruch matsuya and goes and burns something down your chayef, that's the nature of ish, we said. That's when you have a fire and it's being transported by wind. But here we're talking about the wind created the fire. When the wind is helping create the fire to begin with, that we do not say that you're chayef even by a ruach matsuya. So only chayef for transporting the fire, you're not chayef for creating the fire. And then you talk a bipot. Let's see the Gemara. Amar Shlokesh, the Gemara we had earlier in the Masechta. Mishmei de Chizkiah, lo yishanu ala shemasu legacheles valiva. If you gave the cheresh of a cotton a coal, by itself it would have gone out. The cheresh lit it up, he blew on it, or whatever he did to make it go up, then you're going to be potter. Because then the cheresh did it. Of a muscle I shall have it. So if you give him a torch, then you're going to be chayev. My time a mice of kagarmuloi. So the question is, who is the responsible party? If I give a, a torch, a torch is Tesis calls it bari hazeka. A torch is a real fire. That if I give to a cheshet of a cotton, I'm responsible. When the mission says you're potter, when you give him a coal, that the cheshet of a cotton had to do something. Even if I give him a torch, I'm potter. Even though I gave him a torch, it's the cherish who then took the torch and put it down somewhere and started the fire and burned the building down. So it's the cherish that did something. Yes, I gave him a full torch. And we said, I'm responsible. But who lit the building on fire? The cherish. And the says, in that case, also, the cherish is the responsible party. He doesn't pay either. But I, at the Mashalech, I'm not Chayev. When are my Chayev? If I gave him a kindle, coats of little thorns, and I gave him little pieces of wood, and I gave him the fire, and it's all there, and, and meaning, if I just sat the cherish down and said, do me a favor, hold this torch right here, and it's holding it right onto the wood, or right onto the thorns, whatever it is, then the cherish did nothing. Then it's clearly my maestro. So everybody agrees, it depends on the nature of what you set up over here. It's mashra in this case, and if it was a pikeach, in that case a pikeach, I would still not be chayed. Even if I put it right there, because then the pikeach should pull away. A pikeach should make sure not to do it. But if it's a cherish, then it's like an animal of some sort, and then you're not going to be chayed. So you have three stages you might be chayed for the cherish. The first sheet that says, once you... If you, even if if you give him a torch, you're going to be chayev. Biyachan says if you give him a torch, you're going to be potter. It's only going to be chayev if you actually have him sitting there with the actual kindle. There's nothing the cherish can do, and it's bar. You're going to light even on its own without the cherish there. Then the cherish is not responsible. I am going to be the responsible party. Okay, we'll forgive it.